Hey everyone, this is Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards, and you know this is the podcast where we're looking for ideas and inspiration to help you take that next step or, or even that first step. And so uh, I'm really excited for, for my guest today, and I know I always just say that I'm really excited for my guest today because I'm thrilled for my about my guest, but uh, today's episode is actually uh, kind of really cool for me because I've got Josh Spector on, and We've never actually spoken before, never had a chance to talk, but I was introduced to him through a friend who had shared an, an article Josh had done on the 100X method. And uh, some of you may remember me talking about 100X nerdcore and running, and I kind of all blended my stream of consciousness together, stuff going on in my head. And so I'd reached out to Josh, and he was excited to join. And so, Josh, can you just give us a, a brief bio? Who are you? Sure. Uh, I'm Josh Spector, first of all. Uh, thanks for having me on, and thank you for uh, – I did actually listen to that episode when you talked about my uh, article, so I appreciate that. Um, you know, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I am the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can find at fortheinterested.com. Uh, it is a weekly newsletter where I share – uh, basically ideas to help people become better at their work, art, and life. Uh, and it is a mix of curated ideas. Usually one or two of them each week are sort of original posts that I've written. And then uh, eight ideas that are sort of curated from different people and all around all around the web. Uh, what they all have in common is, again, this, this idea of, you know, how can you improve, whether that be your work, your career, whether that be your, your life, um, or whether it be creativity and, and art uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, I also work as a consultant specializing in audience growth, uh, social media, marketing, content, sort of all of those things rolled into one. Um, I work with a wide variety of clients. My background, I've been consulting full-time for the past two years. Uh, prior to that, I ran digital media and marketing for the Academy of Motion Pictures and the Oscars uh, full-time for six years. And then when I left as a consultant, I continued to work on the Oscars. Uh, again, social media, marketing strategy. Uh, continue to work with them for the past couple of years. And I'm working uh, on this year's, we'll be working on this year's show as well. Uh, so that is, that keeps me plenty busy. Um, and, you know, there's some nice overlap there because a lot of the ideas and stuff I talk about in the newsletter, uh, again, relate to this idea of audience growth, social media, marketing content, really how do you use these tools to help yourself further your career, accomplish things that you want to accomplish. Yeah, so we've got a couple different paths we could go down there, and hopefully we'll get a chance to explore them because you're not up to just like, you know, uh, one thing and then this really cool thing on the side. Like everything you've got going on, it sounds super interesting. Thanks. And, yeah. And so, you know, I've, I've heard of, you know, people label themselves social media experts or gurus or, or whatever, uh, but an audience growth consultant, I, I've never heard that term before. It, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, okay, so without revealing too many trade secrets here. How, I love revealing know, secrets. So excellent. I, I'm excellent. all for it. I think that's how you provide people <laughs> value. So, you know, it's well, interesting. It's true because, because years ago it was a very conscious decision. Um, I had started years ago, uh, I had worked in the comedy business and, and started a site called Connected Comedy. And basically, 
you know, my, my first sort of take at consulting, and this was again, probably 10 years ago was, uh, helping comedians basically grow their fan base and, and market themselves. And I made a very conscious decision that that website, which was essentially a blog was, I wasn't going to hold anything back that I was going to reveal secrets. I was going to tell people exactly how I did different things, whether it was growing Facebook pages or, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, and I found that, you know, that, that when you give away, you know, the secrets are really what the value is. And that when you give away that value, that's what attracts people to you. That's what makes people share your stuff. That's what makes them talk about you. And that's what ultimately makes them want to work with you and hire you. So I say it sort of jokingly, but I really do like, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk about exactly how I do things and how people can do things. Sweet. Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Now, you are helping comedians, and I, I imagine now I may be making too big of a, a jump here, but I, I can imagine, you know, uh, aspiring comedians being not that much different than, say, aspiring entrepreneurs, where, you know, there, there's a lot of competition on the surface. Many of them maybe look the same. It's hard to stand out. Um, and it's something you got to just keep grinding away at for, for quite a while. I, now I may be making stuff up. So let me know if I'm off base no, here. I think, that, I think that's definitely, I think that's definitely true. There's a lot of similarities. One big difference that I think entrepreneurs actually have in their favor is with comedians. A lot of times there's this weird, uh, a lot of comedians got into comedy because they didn't want to work in business. And it's very, they're really into the art of it and sort of shy away from any marketing promotion business, for that matter, anything entrepreneurial, because they view it as sort of not, you know, there's the whole kind of starving artist cliche. Um, So they become very conflicted, you know, they just want to work on their act and perform and then hope that, you know, oh, I'm just going to get good and then someone's magically going to find me. Um, whereas entrepreneurs, it's, it's probably, if anything, it's maybe a little bit the opposite, right? Where they're all about, I want to make money. I want to build this business. I want to scale. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And they might actually benefit, you know, a lot of times sort of the product can almost be an afterthought, you know, they might Mm. benefit from spending a little more time on like, how do you make this thing actually good? Uh, you know, the sort of, the sort of craft of it, but what you're saying in terms of how do they stand out? There's a million people doing what they do. That is very, is very similar. I would say. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I think some entrepreneurs or or some people who want to be entrepreneurs, that there is almost a shyness to it. Like, you know, I don't, especially if they're marketing themselves, you know, like Mm -hmm. as a consultant or, uh, more of a service thing, like, you know, Hey, I don't want to bother my friends selling them stuff. You know, I don't want to stand out too much. How, how did you help comedians get past that hump? Like, no, it's probably a good idea if people do know who you are, you know, yeah. it's, well, it's funny. Cause like one of the things that, that I say a lot is like, you don't, uh, you don't stand out or get noticed by fitting in. Mm. And, but what's interesting is everybody's instincts are often, to fit in. So whether it's a comic or an entrepreneur and they sort of look at it and go like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing because that's what all these other entrepreneurs are doing or all these other comics are doing. Like I have to, you know, this is the way it's done. And what they're really saying is what's interesting is they convince themselves that it's because that's the sort of professional way to do it. When in reality, if you're doing what everybody else is doing you're just making it harder for you to get noticed. Like you have to, you know, you have to stand out by doing something different than the approach that everybody else is taking. 
And I think that's something that people really struggle with for, for a wide variety of reasons. Um, you know, on the comedy side, I remember talking to someone, uh, it was this woman who was a comedian and she played the cello. And sometimes, you know, she would, her whole act wasn't with the cello, but sometimes she would do some stuff with the cello. And, you know, she was taking photos and having stuff on her website and whatever. And she was like, I don't think, you know, she was like, I don't think I want to have these photos with the cello, right? Because it would just, it just conveyed all this stuff. And I remember sort of talking to her and going, well, here's the thing. If you, if you hide, you know, the cello is a part of your act. It is a part of what you do. If you hide from that, what you're really saying is like, oh, here's just another comedian, like all the others versus amplifying the things that are unique and different about you, which, yeah, it may not be for everybody. There may be some people that are like, eh, I don't, you know, I'm not into comedians who play music or have, the, you know, the cello, whatever. But there's a whole other set of people that that is going to draw them to you. You know, there's people that are like, oh, I love musical comedy. She, you know, she plays music or you know, what about the cello players? What about the people that are in symphonies? What about, and even at, even at a minimum, it just makes, you know, if you're looking at a flyer with photos of five comics, you know, or you see a show, this is a classic thing in the comedy world. And again, I'm, you know, this is, all this is very applicable to entrepreneurs as well. But if you think about in the comedy world, the average person goes to a comedy club. They don't know most of the comics that are performing. They see them they then walk out and they're like, oh, that one was really funny. They don't remember their name. They don't remember anything about them. It was just like, I don't know, that third comic was funny. And then the next day they go back to their office. They tell their coworkers, oh, we went to the comedy club. There was this guy there that was hilarious. And they go, who is he? And they go, oh, I don't know. I don't remember his name. Well, what did he look like? I don't know. He was a tall white guy. Like, like, like nothing. Right. So if you distinguish yourself, you know, there's another, I know I'm telling a lot of comedy stories now, but there's another comedian, uh, named Michael Costa and he used to do a bit, uh, he's since gone on and done a bunch of TV stuff. Um, I think he's might even be on the daily show now. Uh, but he used to years ago when he's basically unknown, do a thing. He had a bit on stage where like as a running gag throughout his set, he would essentially like reintroduce himself to people in the front row in this funny way and like hand him a business card. And he would always go, Mike Costa, nice to meet you. Mike Costa, nice to meet you. But it was a funny bit. But if you think about it, it was actually brilliant because by the time people left, they would always remember his name. Mm. They He was beating into their head sort of in a clever, funny way Mike Costa, Mike Costa, you know, so he was no longer, Oh, that tall, funny guy. It was like, Oh, the guy that handed out his business cards, Mike Costa. Um, so I think again, for entrepreneurs, it's like, you want to figure out what is unique and different about you and amplify it as opposed to sort of hiding from it. Oh, nice. So I, I I love that amplify it, you know, not just have it, but you know, show, show it off bring it out. And, you know, while, while you were describing that, it reminded me that there is a psychological phenomenon and it's actually named after, I think, a Hollywood producer, Hollywood director. And I don't remember the guy's name, unfortunately. But the idea basically is that, you know, from, from social acceptability, it's better to fail doing what everyone else is doing than to succeed being different. Yep. And I mean, that's a, but but essentially what you're saying is that in order to su- succeed, we probably need to be a little bit different. Yeah. Well, it's also human nature, right? I mean, human nature in general, even if you separate it from success and failure, people want to fit in. They want to be accepted. 
And so there, you know, and this is where I think it gets really interesting when you start talking about business and and this is true of audience growth and all of this stuff, right? Like you, your goal is to get your business or product or whatever noticed, but your instincts as a human are to fit in with everybody else. Those are at odds. And I think that's where you see people have a struggle because it really takes you know, in some ways, kind of forcing yourself or sort of building up the courage to you're kind of going against human nature to say, Oh, this is why this is why I'm different, as opposed to I'm just like you. So what do you do? I mean, like, I, I, there's probably not like a five step program, but what do you advise them in that situation? How do they stand out without just like, you know, freaking out that lizard part of their brain? Well, I think that, you know, I think first of all, it's obviously a process, but I think the first thing is really getting clear on, you know, you got to figure out what it is that's unique about you and not in a forced way, but, you know, everybody has things that, you know, it's funny, like I say, you got to find your competitive advantage and basically everybody has one. Mm. So, and probably has, there's, there's no matter who you are or what you're doing, there are multiple things about you that are unique that are, and maybe you're not the only one that has them, but that separate you from the crowd, right? So there are a million social media consultants out there. There are not a million who have worked on the Oscars, for example, right? Right. That's a, that's a differentiator for me. That may be an obvious one just because people tend to, you know, their experience and whatever, but even separate from that, um, you know, when I did connected comedy, there were a million people that we're offering, you know, classes or consulting about sort of the craft of stand-up comedy. So here's how you tell better jokes. Here's how you perform. Here's how you whatever. There was basically nobody telling people and offering services on how to market yourself and how to use, again, this was 10 years ago, how to use social media. Like all of that stuff didn't exist. So it was a competitive, you know, I was playing in a field where there sort of weren't other people. So that was a point of differentiation. Um, for me, having a newsletter that I have built, you know, over the years and I have 25,000 subscribers at this point and, and sort of being a practitioner, you know, it's interesting. A lot of social media consultants, they don't have anything that they've really built for themselves. Hmm. So it, they're not, they're not necessarily hands-on, you know, it's amazing to me how many people, and this is forgetting the consulting world, but getting into sort of the business world it is amazing to me how many people work in marketing at big companies that are controlling, in some cases, huge budgets that's being spent on Facebook ads and social media and all that stuff that have never actually run hands-on run their own Facebook ads. So to me, the fact that I'm nuts and bolts and actually do it myself and have done it for myself, again, that's a differentiate. That's another differentiator. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it to succeed. Right. So like, there's lots of people that are having plenty of success, not doing that. But when I, you know, so the first thing you do is you want to look and identify what are the things that you have, whether it be skills, experience, it can be viewpoint. So another differentiator for me is, you know, part of my viewpoint on social media and social media sort of consulting and agencies, I think most people overpay for social media management and underpay for strategy. That I think most consultants and agencies are charging a bunch of money. They're not really creating much of an overall strategy that ties to offline real goals. 
And I don't mean like more likes and, you know, engagement and whatever. I mean like, okay, if my company is in the business of selling widgets, my goal is to sell widgets, not get a bunch of comments on Facebook posts. Right. And that se- that seems to get lost in there, the idea that, you know, more likes is what we need versus like yeah. the point is to actually sell something. Yeah, exactly. And so, but so if you so if you think about it, what I have found, and again, it's, these are sort of generalizations, but what I have found is that most agencies and stuff, when they're talking to you about what they're going to do for you, they're talking about that. I'm going to get you more likes. We're going to have engaging posts. And, and even their advice, their, their quote unquote strategy is you're going to do three posts a day and you're going to use these hashtags and your whatever. And it's not, I don't approach it like that at all. I, I basically am the first one to go like, look, you can get you, it's not that hard to post on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and whatever. What's hard is figuring out what you should post. So if you have the strategy, which is really the type of consulting I do is I help you figure out strategically what you should be doing. And then you can do it or you can hire someone to do it inexpensively, the actual posting. What happens is what I found is a lot of times they're hiring these people who aren't really giving them a strategy and you're just paying them a lot of money to update your pages and, and sort of do whatever, which is fine. Like there are people that, there are people that need that, but that's an example again, from my own, from my own experience of like where the differentiator is a viewpoint about the business and how it works. Most agencies, consultants, whatever in this space are not in their first meetings with potential clients going, look, I don't, you don't need management. And if you do, if it's just about someone to post for you, I'm not the right person. Right. So right off the bat, I'm, you know, that's, that's, that's from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like you don't necessarily have to have any experience or skills that other people don't have, but what is your approach? What is your viewpoint? Like, what is it about how you do things that's sort of different from the competition? So what inspired you to do the newsletter? So you've built up this audience and it's a great newsletter, but why start it? Uh, wow, that's sort of a long story. Um, it kind of, I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, I've had multiple. So I've been blogging since I think my first blog, uh, and I've had a lot of different ones over the years because I've never, I always sort of started and stopped and switched around. But you know, my first one was, I think, back in 2000. So I've been doing this for a really long time. But ultimately, I got to a point where when I was running Connected Comedy, a newsletter, an email list was a big part of that. Uh, I eventually sort of shifted out of comedy in general and to, went a little broader. I sort of abandoned that, but still had a, a bunch of followers of that newsletter. I had started a separate project, which I did for about two years, called The Person You Should Know, which is actually still up uh, at a apersonyoushouldknow.com. And that was basically every day, and then I think like a couple times a week, I was uh, profiling just interesting people who, you know, all sorts of different people that were creative or marketers or whatever. And it was literally just a profile of sort of like, here's a couple things this person's written or videos they've made or whatever, like, again, a person you should know. And that built a nice audience. Uh, And then separate from that, I was blogging on my own and, and started blogging more and more. And I had my own personal email list. So I got to this point where I had three different email lists for three things that were all different. Like when I would write a blog post, like if it wasn't about comedy, I couldn't send it to my comedy list. That didn't make any sense. And a person you should know was about me profiling other people. So it didn't make sense for me to send my thing there. Like I just realized like this does, this doesn't, 
this doesn't make any sense. Like I have this audience spread across three things, none of which I can cross promote. And it was just complicated and whatever. So I was like, you know what? I want to simplify all this and I want to come up with, you know, what could I come up with that would sort of combine all these varied interests into one? And so I originally I was like, well, if I came up with a newsletter that was sort of sort of broad, but, you know, basically sharing a mix of ideas that are sort of curated and ideas that I create and what they have in common is that they're generally about self-improvement and social media and sort of entrepreneurial, you know, you know, this idea of sort of they're about doing things and getting better, um, that that would sort of give me this bucket that I could drop all the things that I'm currently doing into. And then also whatever direction I go, as long as it's, you know, as long as I'm sharing stuff about sort of improvement and getting better and doing things, uh, it would fit. So that was about two years ago. And so I came up with, and when I originally started it, I didn't even have the name for the interested. I think I just called it like 10 ideas worth sharing or whatever. Um, and it sort of went from there. I, I folded the other, uh, newsletter list that I had into the new one, you know, a bunch of people on, you know, people who only wanted comedy unsubscribed. So, you know, they didn't all stick around, but some of them did. Uh, and then for two years, I've just focused on, I focused on that and it's been really great and people have responded really well and it's grown. And, uh, you know, it's this, you know, what I found is this sort of, uh, it's a formula that I think works really well for lots of different things is that if you can come up with, you know, it works for newsletters, but I think it also works for all sorts of other things. If you can come up with a format that is specific, but allows for a lot of flexibility within it, I think that's a sort of sweet spot. So mine's specific in that I know it's going to come out every Sunday morning. I know it's going to have 10 links. It's always going to be sort of, each link is going to be a headline and a little quote from whatever the article is. And then a couple sentence summary that I write. And, you know, and I know that there's going to be one or two things that are linking to my own blog posts and the rest are going to be curated. So I know exactly what it's going to be, which makes it very repeatable and people get used to what to expect. But within that, it's hugely flexible. I can really feature any idea I want, you know, um, so as a result, it gives me room if my interests shift a little bit or, you know, so you don't, I think sometimes people pin themselves in where it's like, oh, you know, after a while, they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's, you know, again, it happened to me. I had a comedy specific mailing list and suddenly I was sort of out of comedy and doing other stuff. And so it was too restrictive. Right. So I think that, you know, that, that's sort of how the newsletter evolved. If that makes sense. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and I ask because, well, one, it, it did seem to be a little separate from, you know, your day job, mm-hmm. um, but seems to, I mean, for the interested, I'm, I'm assuming it's all stuff that you're super interested in. Yep. And, you know, there's there's several newsletters like that that, that come to mind that are good. You know, uh, Tim Ferriss does Five Bullet Friday, which yep. is a, a very brief version, but kind of the same thing you're talking about. He's got a structure, but it's very flexible. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin Rose does a nice kind of longer form newsletter once a month. Uh, and, but, you know, you've got that weekly volume and and you go even deeper. So 10 ideas, um, you know, I, I gotta tell you if it's almost too much goodness, I have definitely, I have definitely heard that at times. Um, it's funny because sometimes people reach out to me and they're like, Oh, it's so good. I love it, but I feel overwhelmed. And I remind them that like, look, you know, 
somebody emailed me the other day and was like, I don't know how, like, I can't do all this stuff. And I wrote him back and I was like, you're not supposed to do all this stuff. Like, I'm just throwing you out options. And like, honestly, you don't have to read it all, click it all. You certainly don't have to do it all. Like, you know, my theory is like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff. If you find one or two things in each one that's interesting, you know, it's like, I, I sort of view it as like, hey, and I said to him, I'm like, look, no pressure. Like, you know, this is just, I'm giving you options and, you know, if something resonates with you, awesome. And if it doesn't, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely get that. And I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, why I chose 10 initially. Um, but the other thing I will say, and, and this is, I think, also a good thing for people to remember entrepreneurs and stuff when they're starting projects or businesses, whatever. The other reason why this worked for me is... I have always consumed a ton of stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was already like, I didn't have to be like, okay, now I got to write this newsletter and I got to find 10 things. I was, and by the way, I find tons of stuff that like, I don't have room to include in the newsletter. So like I consume a lot of stuff anyway, and I'm finding these things and would share them on social media or whatever. So the additional workload, yes, I had to write the newsletter and yes, it takes time and whatever, but it wasn't like the finding of it was already happening, right? So I built something that reflected something that, you know, was already, you know, because I enjoyed doing it, like I was already doing that. And I think that's a that's another thing where I think people make mistakes is that instead of looking at like, what am I doing that I could create off of instead of like, oh, I'm going to start something new and now I have to, you know... I didn't, the only work that it was, you know, and this is going to sound weird, but the only quote unquote work that launching my newsletter actually added was the, you know, I don't know, two hours it takes to actually write the newsletter. Mm. So, so basically my commitment was, okay, am I willing to put in an extra two hours to do this? If I was not someone who was finding all that stuff anyway, and it was like this is going to take me ten hours a week, or who knows what. That's a whole other. That's a whole other story. So I think it seems like you know it's funny because I always hear from people they're like, oh my god, I don't know how you get this done, and you must spend so much time and whatever. I don't even really think of it as being much time because it's really in terms of additional time that I wasn't already doing. It's not really that much. Well, and see, so I have kind of the the down the rabbit hole addiction. You know, yeah. I can just get lost in stuff. So I. Pulled up on my screen here, I'm looking at the the one from September 22nd, and that one stood out for me because it had your only do it if you're willing to do it 100 times. You know, mm-hmm. that's what introduced me to you. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned that, and then, oh, well, then there's a related article to that one. And, that, you know, that's just point number one. And then two, how to simplify your online life. Okay, but, you know, then you mentioned Dan Sylvester and another article, and then the related, and then an easy way to lower your spending. Like, I haven't found anything that I'm not really interested in. And, you know, so I get like well, that's good. 40, 48 tabs open going, okay, I'm going to yeah. get to all this now. Yeah, um, I get it. Well, it's interesting. I'll tell you. So the related piece was not originally there. And by the way, this is another, like, these are, and some of this is sort of content recommendations, but I do think it's relevant, like, for for entrepreneurs and anyone, right? So very early on, I made a decision that my newsletter was not going to be about sort of the news of the day for multiple reasons, right? One of which being there's a million things. And again, this goes back to differentiation. There's a million newsletters out there that are summarizing the news of the day or the news of the week, right? The world doesn't need another one of those. 
The second reason is a lot of the news of the day or the news of the week isn't, uh, you know, certainly these days can be a little depressing, can be a little, uh, well, at a minimum, not inspiring. So I wanted my newsletter to be positive, um, hopeful, optimistic, sort of all of those things. I also wanted it to be actionable. A lot of quote unquote news isn't necessarily actionable. So you're just feeding yourself information, but there's not really anything for you to do about it in that moment. Mm. Um, most of the stuff that I share is this, it's things that you can implement or it's knowledge that's going to help you do whatever that is you're trying to do, uh, again, in your life or your work or, or whatever. Um, but the other big thing, and I might've stumbled into it a little bit when I started, but now I'm super clear on it is when you get away from topical news that everything I'm sharing is, you know, is basically evergreen content that it is because they are sort of general actionable concepts, whether you there in most cases, they are just as valuable a year from now as they are today. And will be just as valuable two years, three years, four years, whatever. So as a result, and I think it's really important when people start projects, especially content projects, to think about this, that when, had had I done the same newsletter and had it been about curating sort of the news of the day or the news of the week, the va- the lifespan value of that bit of information would have been maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month at most. That a year later, then whatever news was happening a year ago is virtually valueless at this point. So you're creating a library or an archive of content that basically has no value. On the other end of the spectrum, what I'm doing, because something that I posted a year ago today is just as valuable as it is today, I'm building a huge, with no additional work, right? A huge library of valuable content. So I've been sharing 10 ideas a week for this next issue, I think will be 120, the 125th issue. So that's over 1,200 ideas, all of which are just as valuable today for the most part as they were whenever I posted them. So I now have a website. It's interesting because when new people come into my world now or discover the newsletter or whatever, there are 1,200 ideas on a million different topics that they can search and they can find and whatever. And none of that takes any additional work for me. So what I realized was, and this was maybe, I don't know, maybe six months ago, I was like, you know, I have this whole archive of content. I have new people subscribing to the newsletter. They have no idea what's out there. And yes, they can go to the site and browse around. But I was like, maybe I can showcase some of these old ideas in the newsletter. So, so literally when I write the newsletter now, if I share an idea about how to simplify your life, I just go to my website, I search, you know, I search in, you know, search for simplify life or whatever. I see what I've shared that's similar and throw a link into it. So that's why I started the related thing because it was a way to sort of, without a lot of extra work, get value and maximize the stuff and drive people who may not have ever seen it or have forgotten about it to all this other content that I've shared before. And all of that is only possible because I'm sharing stuff that is basically timeless. So there's, it doesn't mean that anything that anybody creates needs to be timeless, but there are definitely from a content and marketing perspective, there are huge advantages to both writing and creating content or curating content that is timeless as opposed to super topical. 
Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, you know, and I imagine the the trade-off is is simply that the super topical probably gets more clicks that day um, versus a never-ending lifespan, whereas the super topical ends that day as well. Yeah, um, potentially. I mean, I think, and also, by the way, it all depends. It really depends on what it is that you're doing. So there's some things where like, yeah, you need to be topical, right? Or if you're an expert on, you know, whatever, if you're an expert on coding and coding languages change significantly and, you know, every six months or, you know, or SEO or whatever, right? Things that like, if you're going to be talking about, you know, SEO, like and SEO changes regularly, like you have to be topical. Um, but you know, certainly in sort of this space, it it gave me the freedom to, you know, there is advantages to being in a space that doesn't have to be super topical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you've, you obviously you're curating this information, you're, you're, you're sharing it. In fact, you know, one of the lines off your website tagline is that you, you help people get better at life. So Real quick, and this is a big question. So, <laughs> um, where do you see people getting in their own way? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think that you know it's interesting because it's different for everybody. It's tough sure. to sort of say like this is where everybody gets in their own way. I mean, so I guess I'll talk about. Well, I know, can. I can reverse that question even like what is one way that is really effective for most people to get out of their own way? Well, I'll give you, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you sort of a couple different things. So I think, you know, a big part of what I do with the newsletter and sort of the community I built and the content I share, you know, I talked about it being actionable, like, you know, it's for doers. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in like, you need to do things. And there's a lot of people who do a lot more talking about things that they want or things that they're going to do or reasons they can't do it or any of that, right? There's a lot of that and not, and not actually doing it. So the first thing is I think one of the biggest things that keeps people, you know, that gets in their way or keeps them from doing things is they're just not actually doing it, right? And I think that's, there's all sorts of reasons. Maybe they're afraid of failure. Maybe they're insecure. Maybe they're, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people don't do things. Um, sure. But I think the, the first piece is like, you have to actually do things if you want something to happen, right? You know, I had written a post about, uh, I forget what I titled it, but it's basically about it's basically about how to get your dream job. And, and the concept was essentially nobody can stop you. Right. So, you know, my point was that basically the way to get your dream job is to start doing your dream work that you, you know, that people get hung up on, oh, I wish someone would hire, you know, I wish I could get a job doing X, Y, and Z. Right. But the reality is you don't need the job to start doing the work. Right. So if you want to be, if you, you know, if your dream job is to be an entertainment journalist, you don't need to wait for, variety to hire you to start being an enter- start writing articles about entertainment start interviewing people like nobody is stopping you from that and it works even on a even on a huge level like you know you could go like oh if there's somebody who's like oh i want to you know i want to you know this is over the top but you know i want to be an astronaut right well okay you can't just be an astronaut on your own, you need someone to sort of, you know, that you need someone to sort of give you permission or hire you or help you do that. But there's a million, start doing the steps that lead up to that, 
right? Oh, well, in order to be an astronaut, I'm going to have to be, you know, I'm going to have to get in shape. I'm going to have to, you know, become an expert in science. I'm going to have to whatever, right? Oh, but I can't afford to go to college. Okay, well, what's stopping you from studying science in the library, right? And this is an extreme example. I'm not saying that like, oh, if you want to be an astronaut, you can just go to the library and become an astronaut. But, But I think when you scale it down to most people's ambitions and goals, right, there is... In, in 99% of cases, there is nothing stopping them from starting to do their dream work instead of just waiting for somebody to give them their dream job. And what's really interesting is when you start doing your dream work, it actually creates the opportunities that lead to you getting the dream job. And I think that's the part that sort of people miss. The, the, the idea, and I'm talking about dream jobs, but it's true of anything, the idea of doing things, right? The difference between I want to have a podcast and I'm doing a podcast is night and day. You know, there's a ton of people that want to have a podcast, but they're not doing it because I don't have the right equipment or I don't know how to do it, or I can't book guests, or I'm going to do it when my buddy agrees to do it with me. You know, it's like, take your pick. Like there's a million, there's a million excuses people can come up with for not doing things. Sure. And I think it's a huge reason why people get in their own way. And I'm always fascinated by it. You know, like, you know, even things, you know, we're talking about sort of work and career, but like even life stuff. And, you know, I know people get addicted to smoking and it's, it's hard. And, and I, by no means am I trying to sort of belittle it. But when people say I'm trying to quit smoking, but I'm still buying cigarettes, there's a disconnect there. Right. Like, you know, okay. But, you know, it's like, so, and I think, and to me, I think that's the other thing too, is like, I, I like people to be honest with themselves, right? Mm. So maybe you want to quit smoking or you're struggling to quit smoking, but if you're buying cigarettes, you're not trying to quit smoking. Right. You know, so like, just sort of be honest with yourself. And it's just like, you know, if you want to... uh you know, whatever it is that people talk about sort of trying to do, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I used to talk about it, you know, with, with comedians or or clients, you know, I talk with clients all the time, right? It's like, just do the thing, try, even if, even if you fail, you're taking steps to it, take some step towards it, as opposed to sort of looking for all the reasons why you can't do something and you will fail and you will struggle. And, you know, like I said, I've had tons of blogs and websites and newsletters that I haven't stuck with, or I've abandoned, or they didn't work or a million things. But, you know, I think getting, getting to, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, who works in sales and I, you know, I was saying that, you know, getting a no is not a problem getting a slow no is a bigger problem. So if you're if, if if the person you're trying to sell to is going to be a no, get that no in a week instead of 6 months. Hmm. So that you're not wasting your time. You know, don't drag your heels going, "Oh, maybe I'll get them." You know, like go get the quick no, like instead of being afraid of the no because oh, when they say no, then I failed to close that client. Well, not really. Like the bigger failure is, is pretending they were going to buy from you for six months and then getting the no. Right. 
Oh. You know, that, that, that it's all the action. It's the doing, it's the, it's the, and being conscious of sort of time. It's interesting. I'm just thinking about it now because it's a couple of things that we've talked about, but like keeping that perspective of how time relates to the things that you're doing, right? Instead of spending six months thinking about and talking about launching a podcast and trying to figure out how to do it, launch a crappy version of it do an episode a week for a month and see where you're at. And maybe you discover, I don't really like doing it. Or maybe you discover, oh, you know what? I really do need that other software or whatever. Like before you sort of commit your money, time, effort, like things can really drag. And I'm just a big believer, especially now with sort of technology and the tools we have and the ability to sort of put something up almost instantly, like do it. Like put it out there, you know, if you, if you want to be a blogger, you know, instead of talking about it and trying to plan and figure out what you're going to do, be like, all right, I'm going to write a blog post every day for two weeks Yeah, and see what, and see what happens because almost always what happens is good. And even if you, even if it goes badly and you discover you don't like it, even that's good because it took you two weeks to figure out it wasn't what you wanted to do instead of two years. Well, all right. So you're putting out a a ton of content. You're curating content. You are helping people. Uh, Question I always like to ask is, how can the listeners help you? Uh, I appreciate the offer. Uh, I guess in the simple way, look, I always like more subscribers. Uh, They can go to fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. My newsletter is free. Uh, they will hopefully get a lot of value from it, but you know, that helps. Um, if they liked listening to this podcast episode, they can share it. They can tell people about it. If they like my newsletter, they can certainly share that and tell people about that. Uh, that's all great. Um, if they're in the market for, uh, help in terms of audience growth, social media, marketing content, any of that stuff, uh, I do work with clients, so they can email me uh, at josh at joshspector.com and happy to talk about that. Um, yeah, any of those things uh, hopefully will be helpful and valuable to them and I and would make me happy as well. Excellent. Well, Josh, it's been completely fantastic. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrafit. Now, I tried Nutrafit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutraFit different is one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. 
Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on Nutrifit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So Nutrifit.net. And let me know what you think. 